Hi, and welcome to the Corridor Cast. Today's guest is Joe Penna, who some of you might know as Mystery Guitar Man. Now, today's podcast is actually really fascinating and personally one of my favorites because Joe has made the impossible jump, the dream that we dream, that all of us dream, and that is to jump from YouTube into feature films for Hollywood, theatrical released feature films. And it's a heck of a journey. And he has just completed his first journey with his movie, Arctic, which is literally opening right now in theaters. So go check it out if you are by a theater playing it, because it has been made by somebody who has dreamed the dream and wanted to make this happen. And jumping over from YouTube to the world of, I guess, Hollywood cinema is quite an excursion. And it's an interesting one. There's no other industry quite like it. So Joe's going to share his perspectives, his stories with us, what it's like to work with Hollywood star Mads Mikkelsen. Um, <laughs> how do you get a Hollywood star to listen to some YouTuber as they try to give you direction? All these fascinating stories and more on this Corridor cast. Stay tuned. You made it, man. You made the jump. Yeah. Trying to, at least. Yeah. We'll see. So I guess to bring anyone up to speed who hasn't paid attention recently, uh, Joe Penny here used to be known as Mr. Guitar Man. <laughs> and wear glasses all the time. Yeah. yeah. I don't have to anymore, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have like a little collection of those sunglasses? Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, Back in 2011 like, or 2012, it, uh, the specific type that I wear, um, they they were going to discontinue them. Mm-hmm. So I just bought like a huge box. Oh, wow. And so I still have like a bunch just nice. lying around. <laughs> <laughs> so you were very successful on YouTube back in the day mm-hmm. um made a lot of great different videos very like visual videos music-based videos and you just you crank them out which is nuts yeah. uh <laughs> the the rate at which you put them out was pretty impressive and you started making this foray into narrative uh you put out a lot of short films on your channel and this is all kind of like you i feel like prepping to make that dive into yeah. feature films uh-huh. and just now you've released your first theatrical feature film yeah which is arctic with uh mads mickelson yeah so congratulations by thank, the way thank you but i think one of the big things is that like our generation you know us you freddie and you know a bunch of the other guys that are kind of our age we had all started youtube because we wanted to get into movies like mm-hmm. to us it was like a a way there a way to like hone our skills and create an audience and like prove to not just to the world but to the producers and executives out there it's like hey look at me i can make a film right. give me a budget yeah um anyways here here we are still doing youtube videos <laughs> but you I never wanted to get into movies really uh, yeah i heard an npr um interview that i did like years and years and years ago and the the guy asked me like the interviewer said would you ever want to make a feature film and i was like i i don't know if i can like that's really it's so long it's like 35 days of of shooting uh it's you know, you're devoting two or three years of your life to one single project. I think I'm too ADD to do that. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it was it was something that slowly like came out. Right. I I, I started with the YouTube videos, the two minutes of frenzied action and <laughs> an insane kind of like. And interesting how that evolved in of itself. You know, it didn't used to be so crazy. Until I did a, a collaboration with Toby Turner, mm-hmm. uh, Tobuscus back in the day, and he, it, we we were doing a thing where like I'm stop motion edited on one side, and then he stop motion edited on the on the other side, and he's just that at all times, you know, he's like that kind of <laughs> right, crazy yeah. person at all times. Mm-hmm. And next to him, like when we put the footage literally side by side, 
I looked like I was a robot, barely <laughs> moving. You know, I was like, I gotta, I gotta bring the energy. And that video did so well that I was like, I gotta keep the energy. You know, uh, but anyway, so then I, I started making. Um, out of that, I started making music videos. So I did one for Avicii. I did one for uh, a few other artists, and I started being like kind of forcing them more and more to do narrative things mm. you know it was a thing at the time you know lady gaga did like five minutes of like a little short film and then you hear the music you know yeah yeah mm. uh, and then i pitched to one of my artists like oh let's do like a 20 minute long thing and then i started pitching them the short film that came before his music and he just kind of raised his hand he's like but like is this a music video <laughs> <laughs> like where's the music come in like, is it playing the whole time? I was like, okay, I got to start making short films instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then commercials, short films, and then I did a, like a 40-minute long short film, and then it just kind of felt like a natural jump to get to features, you know? Mm-hmm. How many short films did you make before you did Arctic? Uh, decent ones. Uh, like like legit big budget, <laughs> like longer than 10 minutes style. Big yeah, short yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of them had to like be broken up into series, okay, uh, yeah. but I'll, I'll call those shorts mm-hmm. still four of them. Uh, okay. The very first one that I did was called Once Upon. That was awful and horrific and is unlisted from my YouTube channel. Is it really? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and it was like kind of sort of uh, fantastical mystery guitar man lore kind of thing. Okay. Um, just, I I never want anyone to see that ever. Uh, <laughs> and then the next one that I did was called Instant Getaway with uh, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's company. Um, that one was the first one that I was like really proud of and was actually telling a story. It's like a sci-fi thing that is if our world had teleporting like nowadays. You know, the world <clears throat> is exactly the same, but it had teleporting. In fact, I shot some of it right here. Yeah, and I think we still have some of your cardboard boxes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we brought in a bunch of cardboard boxes because we just needed it to look. Is that like... the one that had Tanner Tanner Thompson? Tanner Thompson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. he was in that. Oh, you guys know him? Yeah, 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 yeah a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it was fun because uh, it was like real. You know, I was like casting uh, people and I was producing things, and it was like, you know, I had to find locations, and it's like let's ask our friends and and make it happen. You know. And it kind of was YouTube plus for mm-hmm. me. Um, and then I was like, okay, I, I can stand to be behind the camera. <laughs> uh, so then I did another one called um, Turning Point. And, and that was great, uh, which was uh, all uh, a motion control thing. I really wanted to do that. It was the, the creators of Walking Dead had this wonderful set that they donated to us. And I was able to shoot that in there. We took that to Tribeca. That was great. And then we did a 40-minute long short film that really should have been a feature film. Like the the story is a little too compressed. Was that the time traveling one? Yeah, the time traveling one. I really like that story. Yeah. I yeah. really like that Called one. Beyond. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it works. Uh, you know, I think that so there's some great acting in there, some wonderful like match cuts and things like that that we mm-hmm. were trying, but I, I would have rather had a little bit more time to tell the story. And that's what, what sold me on making a feature film. I gotcha. Were these yeah. short films strategic moves on your way to trying to make a feature film or were they just you wanting to tell a story? Beyond was. Beyond and especially uh, Turning Point. Was, yeah. uh, Turning Point was not a proof of concept for Arctic but it was a proof of ability. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it was like we can do a short film that's really visually arresting that only has one person on screen the entire time. I can do that for 97 minutes. Trust me, you know. Now, did you know about your desire to make Arctic when you were making that film? Because you just mentioned uh, a 
making a film with yeah. one person in it. Yeah. But this was before Arctic ever became a thing. It was, yeah, yeah. It um, uh, we had it was still called On Mars back in the day. You know, so okay. so Arctic initially was a sci-fi, um, exactly the same story, but happening on a terraformed Mars, like mm-hmm. a half terraformed Mars. This guy's plane crashes away from the um, the colony on Mars, and he needs mm-hmm. to survive. And then this, instead of a, a helicopter that comes to save him, it's this like quadcopter thing that we were going to build. Hmm. You know, it's like it's the future. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, then the Martian came out and, and ruined all of our plans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see that. So. so, how did you make the jump? How did you how did you get a film off the ground from where you were on YouTube making shorts? Yeah. Um, so, so YouTube became less and less viable for me as a full time job especially for me and my partner, Ryan Morrison, right? It, for the two of us to be doing YouTube together and, and living in LA, that's really expensive and, and having a kid for me and, and, you know, trying to, to make two full-time jobs work out of that. It, it wasn't working anymore because mm-hmm. my content really, really wasn't working for what YouTube was, you know, uh, it needed to be longer. It needed to be more often. And I tried the, the vlogging thing. It just, I'm not, that kind of guy you know mm-hmm, i'm yeah. not like off the cuff great so i was like okay well shoot i'm gonna have to figure out what to do here i'm either gonna have to f- find a job somewhere or i'm gonna try to like push on this uh feature film that my the agency at the time wasn't really helping me with and i didn't have a, a management company at the time you know that did feature films so i was like i'm gonna push on it myself i want to try both so i applied for a job at google uh, and oh, wow. I was, yeah, I was going to be um, working for the YouTube spaces all around the world, traveling a bunch, uh, kind of creating programs that um, uh, that all of the YouTube spaces were doing. You know how sometimes they do that? It's like, yeah, yeah. you know, sometimes it's related to a feature film and then the budget comes from that. And it's like the YouTube space in L.A. and the one in Toronto and the one in Japan, they all are doing the same horror thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's for all the month of February, Yeah. So it was going to be my job to come up with those things. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Okay. And a lot of traveling to figure out how to tweak the programs. So like, oh, you know what? In Japan, they're more vloggers, so they need to they need vlog sets. They need smaller sets. They don't need huge sets. You know, in LA, we need giant cameras. You know, because <laughs> yeah, they they can do that here. Um, so so yeah, you know that was that was going to be my job, and I was like five interviews in because for you to get a job at Google, wow. you have to like go through all of these processes. You know. And and yet it was literally right before I was going to say yes to that job, I heard that I had at the same time been working on Arctic, right? And I had been talking to this producer. We found a, a, a producer who had just done a movie called Mudbound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like, we're going to fund your movie if you find the right actor for us. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, and we were like trying to go out to different people. <laughs> How do you, so how do you get a, how do you find an actor? How did that go? You know, it, we put a list together of people who we thought it's a really small target to hit, right? It's got to be somebody who's comfortable working with a first time director. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's got to be somebody who's got a big enough name to command the budget that we had for the film. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, that's yeah, hard. You've already outlined two <laughs> circles of a Venn diagram that just barely, barely overlap. Tight, right. <laughs> somebody who is, can physically pull this off. Uh, yeah, know, they have to be strong. They have to be strong, you know. And, and they, uh, somebody who who's 
you know, his is got to have enough international appeal because this is going to be an international film. So like, who are we going to get that fits all of these things? You know, um, and somebody who wants to do this crazy, like almost silent film. Uh, so we put together a list, you know, and then it was like Charlize Theron, Tom Hanks. Well, no, he's already done something similar. <laughs> you know? um, and, you know, people maybe who were like, this is what they're trying to do, but they haven't done it before. So like Zac Efron was on the list, who hmm. is a, to me, is a great actor. He's just done this Ted Bundy thing that's like doing really well. Yeah, he's yeah. looking for something different. Maybe him, you know. So this wasn't so much a wish list as much as a realistic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A wish list, list could have had like. You know, Tom Cruise. Or, okay, yeah, fair yeah, enough. <laughs> all the Toms, you know, basically everyone named Tom. Uh, but it was like a, a realistic list, you know, and then literally we had two different lists. The like, these are just actors who we, we know we'll never get, uh, but are are great for the look, for the, the et cetera, right? And Mads was on that other list, okay. the, the list with Tom Hanks and et cetera, you know? Uh, and then our producer said, well, I know somebody who knows Mad Mickelson. I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter because he would never say yes to this. He just did, uh, a, he's, he comes from doing a, a Casino Royale, a James Bond yeah. film. He <laughs> he's in a Marvel a, movie. A Star Wars movie and a Marvel oh, yeah, movie. Yeah, Star Wars 2, that's right. Right, he was Rogue, in Rogue One and he was uh, the bad guy in Doctor Strange. Yeah. There is zero way that he's going to want to do this. But okay, I guess go ahead and send it to him. You know? <laughs> Uh, and yeah, so literally we, um, we're running out of time. This is like, we have two weeks left, uh, before, uh, I gave them an ultimatum, the producers, like if we don't have our actor till here, we don't have enough time to produce the film because we're going to run out of snow in Iceland. So like literally guys, it's two weeks and then I, I'm going to say yes to this job. So at this point, pretty much the entirety of Arctic has been like written, ready to produce. It's all ready, uh, to, it's go. All ready to go. The yeah. only thing you're waiting on is an actor yeah, that's it you know it, we need somebody to say yes and somebody who like works well we got a couple other people to say yes who were like great tv stars and and wonderful actors who i thought could have pulled off this film really 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 well but you know that you have to run it through films like this you have to pre-sell it um in in like germ so you basically go to germany and you say hey do you want to buy this movie now for X amount, or we're going to sell it to you later for 3X or 4X once it's done. Take a chance on this film. Yeah. You know, and for that, they need to be like, okay, so who's the director in it? Oh, there's nobody from YouTube? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, thank you. You know, so they need like a, a big actor on it. Um, and, and yeah, so they need a name. They need somebody who they, they can trust, somebody marketable. So it needs to be like a, a certain caliber of actor. And, you know, it's like a Wednesday, and I gave them until the Friday, um, and, and like two days before our cutoff date. And I literally am, have written, and it's in my drafts, the email to YouTube being like, thank you very much. I'll, I'll start on Monday. Hmm. Uh, oh, wow. And then on Wednesday, they're like, Mads Mikkelsen wants to talk to you tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, you have a 15-minute Skype call with him. Convince him. So like, they didn't know this, but like, it was literally like, if I couldn't convince him on that Skype call, I would have taken the job the next day were you nervous the stakes are high (laughs) stakes are really high but like i i don't think that that i could be nervous like it was the same thing with like later on with like the premiere and etc people were asking me like are you nervous tonight are you nervous i'm like whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen you know so what were you feeling going into the skype call (sighs) It, it was like this i knew that this was gonna be a huge fork in my life 
I just didn't know which one it was going to be. And I was going to be happy either way. I, I had already told myself that I was going to be happy with the YouTube job. And I was going to make it work. And I was going to make that fun. You know, I was still going to do my YouTube channel on the side. Because, it's, you know, there are plenty of YouTubers who work for YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, so it was going to be like, where is it going to go? You know, either this film is going to get made. And then I'm going to try to go down that path or the other way, you know. And like my bank account is going. So are you sitting there at your computer like waiting for the call to happen or did you call him? Are you just sitting yeah. there being like, all right, any minute now. So I had him on Skype, right? Okay. And uh, I'm at the YouTube space actually because I was like, I, I need the best internet connection. <laughs> and I was also doing like some pickups for a, a YouTube video then, you know. So I just booked extra time. Um, and then I'm in this glass building. So I feel like everyone is like looking glass office. So I feel like everyone's looking in. I told my partner, Ryan Morrison, who co-wrote the film with me, is executive producer in the film. He was like, I'm just going to wait outside. Right. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, it should just be director and an actor. He's like, okay, cool. So he starts pacing outside and I'm like, oh, just wait. He's like, it's 15 minutes. Just go somewhere else. He's like, okay. Um, and then on Skype, I add his name. I'll give you guys his name later on uh, on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm waiting, and he's one minute late, and then he's five minutes late, and then seven minutes into it, ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding, ding. the moment it's real, you're like, oh, dude, that's a it. really good Skype impression. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I've been practicing it for twelve years, um, you know. And yeah, I get on, and and there's Maz Mickelson smoking a cigarette, uh, and and. Immediately, he's like, nice, nice script, man. Great script. Great, great work. And I'm like, okay. Whew. Ooh, all right. Okay, here we go. Taking uh, all that ice from the Arctic yeah. and just cracking it in half. That's it, you know? And then we, we start talking, and we start talking, and 15 minutes goes by, and he's like, well, you talk about this beginning scene where you don't see the SOS, right? So uh, how would you do that? So then I, I shared my screen with him, and I had done some photo boards, I can't do service. I can't draw, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I show him the screen and I'm like, this is this is how it is. You know, it's like you start from a shot like this, shot like that. So basically it was other films and, and like things that I have found on um, uh, a Google and things like that. And Photoshopping like a helicopter into Gandalf's face <laughs> going <gasps> like this. But it's the right emotion, you know. Sometimes there's there's in a continuity of character there, but there's it's like a continuity of action. Uh, so then I show him the first scene and he's like, okay, keep going. Hmm. So then I show him the next scene and the next scene and the next scene. I'm like, you, you're good. Like you said, they said 15 minutes. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 keep going. So we run through the entire film. Oh, wow. Ryan outside is like <laughs> ripping his, what's left of his hair off. He's like waiting for a, his child to be born. <laughs> right? So it was uh, an expected phone call of 15 minutes. How long did it end up? It's like three being? hours later. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, we're... we're like the the office, like was I only booked it for an hour, you know? so I was like, I hope no one booked it after me and comes in and like is is trying to get the so thankfully there wasn't anyone there, uh, and then we started talking at the end we started talking about the themes of the film. He's like, this is insane, it's a survival film, but you're starting it after the the traumatic event after mm -hmm. the plane crashes. He's already learned how to fish, like why are you starting this film so late? And I told him about why I thought that that was the best idea, and he goes. You know, about 10 minutes later, he's like, wow. I want to start growing my beard. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, okay, cool. So you're going to do this film? He's like, I want to start growing my beard. Let's have our people talk. Right? And and literally, uh, I hung up on the phone. And I was like, 
shoot. Uh, so I called my producers who had been blowing me up because they were like, 30 minutes has already gone by, 40 minutes, you know. Uh, so then I, I call them back. Uh, and then I get Ryan to come in and I put everybody on speakerphone. And I'm like, he said he's going to start growing his beard. It's like, but is he in? It's like, but he's, I don't, that sounds like he's in. I don't know. I don't know. So then, you know, all the agents talk. And then, yeah, next day or two days later, we're like, Mads Mikkelsen's in. That's awesome. You've got him. I mean, you mentioned briefly uh, really cool. about mm-hmm. how the film starts. And that's something I actually really liked about it. So, like, Castaway, for instance, is kind of like the biggest comparison movie, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, the first, like, 30 minutes is all about Tom Link, Tom Hanks' life. Yeah. You know, he's a FedEx worker. He crashes on the island. He learns how to do all this stuff. And then it cuts to four years later mm-hmm. with the spear going through a fish. And he's, like, all grown out. Yeah. And that's kind of where this movie starts. Yeah. And I found that really interesting about this movie. It's like, it's just implied. It's like, oh, yeah, he's been out here long enough. He knows how to, like, survive. Right. And because that's not what I expected going into the movie. I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be about him. Like, he just crashed. He's going to have to learn about, uh, you know, surviving in the Arctic cold and all that stuff. But it's right. like, you're, you're very much so like, that story's already been told. I'm going to tell a different story. Yeah. And I yeah, like yeah. that. You know, it. I happened to, years and years ago, I, I caught, I was, like, flipping through channels when I still had cable. Uh, and it was like TBS or something. Uh, it was uh, I flipped to TBS and it was a black screen. I'm like, oh, I'm watching something, catching something coming from break, right? And it fades up and yeah, it's a little fish swimming around and a spear comes in, tilts up and it's Tom Hanks uh, with a, a giant beard. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm watching Castaway. Oh yeah, I guess I'll watch this. And then I watched the film through through there, you know? And from that point. From that point on. And like he's holding a little picture of Helen Hunt and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember you know, so I was like figuring out the film from there on, and I thought that that was so interesting that that it, the film still worked from that moment on. You know, okay. And I was like, wow, that, that's a, and that, so that just kind of stuck with me. So when Ryan and I were talking about writing the film, I was like, I think that this can work. You know, starting this film late, and like, what could I say that you can't picture better? You know, people like books better for a reason. A, a lot of the times, it's like, well, I picture something different. Uh, so sometimes I talk to people later and I'm like, what did you think? And some people are like, oh, I think that uh, he like had a big fight with his dad and then drank and that's why he crashed his plane. And then some other people are like, well, no, it's because of, there was a big storm and then he had to fly around and then crashed and then, you know, he's trying to get back to his wife. Uh, and then it's like, oh, his daughter has cancer. Like so, so many crazy stories that people invent and everyone has the best version of that film in their minds. So if right. I like give you a story, like here's my story. Um, you've already, you probably have something better in your mind. Did you come up with a backstory for, for that character? Yeah. How big yeah. was the backstory? Pages and pages and pages. You know, we didn't know whether we had, uh, we were going to have an actor who, who needed that. You know, a lot of actors are like, mm, you know, I can't just play out against nothing mm-hmm. and then also not know where I'm coming from. I need to know. But we wrote a bunch of stories about like what kind of, what kind of guy he was, where he came from, why he did this. Um, and then, you know, I had the whole package, like, to Mads in Iceland. And I was like, hey, this is the backstory. I want none of this to show up on screen, but do you need it? He's like, I've got my own story. Hmm. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> in the shredder it goes. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you were directing Mads, you know, you're a first-time director. Mads is a very accomplished actor. Mm-hmm. Did you, well... Was the experience like, did you find that he would let you change his acting or did he kind of just call his shots and you're along for the ride for a little bit until you built a certain level of trust? Yeah. You know, I, 
when he first signed on, that's what I thought. It was going to be like, this is Mads effing Mickelson. And I I put a camera over here and I press a little button and I say, I, I don't know, action, I guess. And he does <laughs> what he does, you know. He is so great in even like the, the films that to me don't work well uh, that mm-hmm. he's done, you know, in, in really crappy movies sometimes. Um, mostly the Hollywood ones. Uh, you know, it, it, so so that, but he is constantly wonderful. So he must not be listening to bad directors, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, you know, to to me it was like he must just do his own thing. Uh, but no, it was actually the complete opposite of that. It was like really total collaboration, and there were things that he disagreed with that he was like, and you know, the producers would come up to me, and there was this one special. Sp- moment specific moment that i can think of where him and i had had a conversation and i always ask the actor first like what do you think this is in case it's better than what i think you know <laughs> um and then he said what he thought and i was like mm, i actually think this other thing uh he's like okay well let's do it your way hmm. um because i i just trust your opinion right and then the producers later came to me and said hey uh i'm just completely separate without knowing that we had talked um they said how about this thing and then he they said maybe you should change it to what Mads thought without knowing that we had even talked, right? And then Mads, without me saying anything, because I was like, oh, you know, if everyone's saying that I should change it, then I should change it. And then Mads, without saying anything, he's like, no, 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 let's not do it that way. Let's keep it how it is. Um, so, like, he's, That's like, nice. fighting for me, like, not even giving me a little wink after, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, okay, so this guy trusts my vision, and this guy, like, wants me to participate in, in, in what he's doing. How do you feel like you earned that trust? How, when do you think that trust happened? Yeah. I think being a co-writer on the script really helped. Yeah. Uh, because, and, you know, that three-hour Skype call. Um, because I, I won't say that he was testing me, but he was definitely asking questions that was, uh, that were like, the uh, yeah, like a litmus. I, oh, fine. He was testing me. Uh, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out like... Uh, like, how would you do this? How would you do that? Yeah. You know? And the vision matched like 99% with what he wanted, you know? So, yeah, it was, it was great, you know? And um, I, it's wonderful to have him in your pocket, you know, because sometimes it's like, uh, you only have uh, half a day to shoot the scene. It's like, I need a full day to shoot that scene. It's like, oh, we're only giving you half a day. And, and then it's like, okay, well. Hey, Mads, do you think we need a full day to shoot this scene? <laughs> you know? Mads is like, we need a full day. All right, let's shoot it in a full day. Yeah. Uh, were there a lot of like first take, first try sort of things with Mads? Or were most of the shots just like, yeah, I mean, we're, let's do it again? Yeah. Um, or rather, I guess my question is, how often did he nail it first try? I can think of maybe five scenes in the film where we got a second take. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. You were just rolling through those pages. We were, I mean, it's a nineteen-day shoot. Um, so how many pages a day were you doing? It's kind of weird because the the script only has seventy-two pages. Oh, um, so we kind of started talking about it as we started doing like pages a day kind of thing in the beginning, but we knew that seventy-two pages because of the lack of dialogue, it wasn't gonna like be yeah. seventy-two minutes. It was gonna be longer than that. So we started talking about it as minutes a day. So we were shooting seven or eight minutes a day. Okay. Um, that's probably pretty fast pace yeah it's like tv show pace yeah 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 but we were rehearsing between takes you know so we do a take here okay move over there and as they were moving Matt and i'd be rehearsed 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 let's go and unless there was a problem with focus or sound we wouldn't do it again wow yeah 
I find that when you're directing, a lot of directing is just making decisions. Yeah. Not even necessarily good or bad decisions, just decisions, decisions yeah. so that things move forwards. Yeah. Can you think back to when you're making this film, what the hardest decision was that you had to make as a director? Yeah. Um, we had this, like, I think the most beautiful place that I've ever been in my life was this cave in the glaciers of ice, like deep, deep, deep secret cave that nobody knew about, but these uh, scouts had like skirted crevasses to get us there. You I know? think I know the scene you're talking about. Yeah. Kind of yeah. From, from towards the end of the movie. Yeah. It's also in okay. the end of the trailer too. Okay. Uh, you know, he's, he, he's inside of this um, cave, right? Um, but it's not the cave that you see in the film. Uh, the cave that you see in the film is this rocky cave. And I just posted on my Instagram stories, hashtag Mr. Guitar Man. Uh, yeah, that um, the 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 cave that I wanted was this beautiful cave that was exactly like that, but made of ice. Everything is you're encapsulated by this beautiful blue ice, um, and it was literally like I'm just I'm, I, I don't get like emotional much at nature. I'm like oh, okay, cool trees, uh, but like I, I was getting I was getting emotional in there. I was like it was beautiful when we scouted it the first time, and then when we. Um, we had to fire our cinematographer and then we, we had to rescout everything again. Um, we, I, we ended up in that cave again and I, I fell through the ice at the bottom into oh, no. water. Oh no. Um, and like was up to basically my midriff in, is that a thing that men have, right? Midriff? Yeah. 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 Midriffs. yeah. I think so. I don't yeah, know. Sometimes the English confounds me. Uh, <laughs> I'm still better at Portuguese. Uh, You're yeah. pretty good at Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it, I was like, we, we need to shoot here. We need to shoot here. And then my producer came up with, to me and was like, listen, if you tell me that we need to shoot here, we'll make it happen. But I think that you're going to lose a lot of what you, like, we can't shoot here. It's, it's you know, you, you're going to lose so much of the rest of the other things. going to take away from other things that you need to be able to come here. It's like five hours away from everything else. And the ice is dangerous. We gotta like wait until the ice freezes over for you to be able to shoot here. There's another cave that's way easier that we can just get to, and everybody can be in there. And you're not having to like rappel into the cave like we were, <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. It's like how are we gonna get our, our our everything that we need, our gear down? Like rappelling it down, you know? Some some of these people aren't climbers, you know? Some of these people aren't. They're just like. They're just like makeup people who's, who's like the best makeup person, but she's 65 years old. Like, you yeah. know, like how, how are we going to get her down there? So uh, you ended up just having to kind of face the music and be pragmatic and be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I want it, but it's just not going to happen. That was the hardest one. There were a lot of things like that in a film like this, low budget and low uh, shoot days, you know. But yeah, it was, that was the hardest one. Losing mm -hmm. like that beautiful, because to me, that was just the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen in my life. Well, yeah. the cave you ended up getting was still pretty sweet. It's cool. It's a cool cave. Yeah. It's not life-changing, but it's a cool cave. Do you have pictures of that cool icy cave? Mm-hmm. Cool. If yeah, mind. I, I keep posting them every once in a while, being like, guys, this could have been like this. <laughs> <laughs> How much of your life was dedicated to this film? When did you start writing it? Like, I assume you had an idea that you'd been kind of kicking around for a little while before you actually opened up a Word doc and started writing. Yeah, it was back when in was the, uh, Word. No one writes scripts in Word. <laughs> <laughs> it's Google Docs, man. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I wish Google Docs had a script like, right? f format. Yeah. It's so great to collab like through Google Docs I know. scripts. I know. I, we, uh, partner and I, we use uh, Fade In. 
and we just share our screen with each other. Hmm. So, yeah, it's not ideal. It totally drains your battery for nothing. Have you heard of writer duet? I have. Um, I don't know. I, I've never tried it. Um, and I, I've heard of, I saw like one thing about somebody losing all of their work on writer duet. Ooh. Uh, and I was like, Mm, this is totally <laughs> anecdotal, but I am not gonna. Uh, you know. anyway, I've got this whole system where, like, it automatically backs up every time I save. It backs up to Google Drive. So, mm. um, so when did I start? Uh, 2016 is when uh, Ryan and I started writing the film. Okay. Um, and so it, we wrote it quick. You know, it was about um, three weeks or so for us to do on Mars. Sent it to our agents, and they were like. Watch the trailer for The Martian, guys. Like, Uh-oh. you should really do that. <laughs> and they were like, okay, we'll switch to the Arctic. Took us about a week or two to switch it. Yeah. So with this process from 2016 to now, it's basically three years that you're looking at. Yeah. Looking at this process, do you feel like this is a sustainable model to make a living off of? Let's say you just did mm. Arctics forever. Yeah. Do you, would you be able to live off that, or do you feel like this is something we need to build up a foundation before you can make the jump? With Arctic specifically, no. Like I, I, I am on the red with Arctic with how much money I spent <laughs> versus how much money I got, and 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 definitely, definitely not. This was everyone says like you're uh, the first film is going to be a raw deal, and you're you're never going to make any money after your first film, and absolutely not. Um, and and that's just what it was, you know. The next film, maybe, you know. I think mm-hmm. as a, as a film director, absolutely, I can't, I, I I won't be able to just do Arctic's forever. I'll have to do an Arctic and then a Stowaway and then the next one and then the next one, you know. Kind of grow the the my my capital as a as a director. Yeah. So this is more of an investment in your future sort yeah. of movie. Yeah. Same as uh, the short films, you know. Like I I spent forty thousand dollars on a short film. And I knew that I wasn't going to make $40,000 out of AdSense on YouTube, you know, <laughs> on a single video. Yeah. Uh, but it was something that I knew could eventually get me um, Arctic. And uh, you knew that going into Arctic that you were probably not going to make any money off of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, just the investment on the short film, if I look at it that way, the money that I was getting paid for Arctic did not cover that short film that I had made specifically so that we can get something like Arctic. But... Hopefully the next one and the next one will, you know. But Arctic is like still in theaters and it's still like heading yeah. towards distribution. When you say like you're still in the red, is that with your projections on how much money oh, you no, no, no. will make? I'm, 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 <clears throat> I always kind of whenever I do my math, I, I always pretend like it's the worst possible. I pretend like Arctic's going to bomb, but zero people are going to go see it in the theaters and I'm never going to see any money out of it. So if it does go out into theaters and like, with DVD sales and Blu-rays and et cetera, um, you know, if I do make any money out of that, then then great. You know, that then it's just bonus for me. So it's I know a lot mentality. of people yeah. Yeah. have been confused a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think you know why, because uh-huh. Mads Mikkelsen starred yeah. in your movie called Arctic, uh-huh. but he also starred in another movie called Polar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that came out on Netflix, so everyone can be like, oh, I, I just turn on Netflix and watch it. I saw a tweet the other day. It was like, I feel so ashamed of being Brazilian because Joe Pena directed this this movie called Polar on Netflix and I hate it. And I was like, no, stop. Here's the link to mine. It's called Arctic. Have you seen Polar? I have. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't premiere. talk about it. Um, um, 
I'm going to refrain from talking about Polar and my thoughts on it. I, I thought that the match was very great in it. Um, okay. and, and that's where, where I'll leave it. It's, it's a, the different kind of film that I, I would have made. I guess you know? say they're polar opposites. The Dutch. Yeah, because he's like an assassin in that movie or something like that, right? Yeah. Like, Cold John Wick. Cold John Wick. Cold John Wick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's like this violent, gory, like, uh, really crazy, crazy film. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm more of the, like, the restrained style um, you know, only show what absolutely you must show. You know, right? What yeah. do you do? You know what Mads thinks of the two movies, like with, the, with their naming and whatnot? Yeah, you know, he was just like he thought that they were going to come out like a year apart. Basically, okay. we all did. You mm-hmm. know, but uh, the fact that our distributor held the film to because end of the year you get all of these like Oscar release blah 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 blahs, right? All is lost. Released. It was a very similar film and released at the end of the year, uh, and it was kind of lost in, in that kind of shuffle mm-hmm. you know and it was great performance by Robert Redford but it, you know they were like mm, we don't want to go there we want the movie to make money we want your first movie to make money smart um, so let's release in February where you know January they call it like the dump month <laughs> you know you just dump movies in January February is still like kind of sort of coming out of the dump you know you're starting to thaw out out of that hmm. uh, so they're like let's offer the best film uh, for February you know and that's what a lot of the reviews are saying now. It's like, this is, wow, it's so great to see a, a film. Like I spoke to a, a film critic that was like, I was about to quit my job because I was being forced to watch all of these like crappy dump month movies. And then I saw your film and like, I thank you for making a great film. Oh, that's I was nice. like, that's the nicest thing that anyone has said about my film. <laughs> yeah. you know? Wow. I'm glad that you kept your job. <laughs> what, uh, going into your next project, Mm-hmm. What did you learn from Arctic that you will be taking with you? Yeah, it, it's hmm, that's a good question. Um, you know, well, I was I I have been saying like that it's a it's it's a marathon. It's like a a, a strength of will. You know, keep going, keep going, keep going, like day after day after day after day. Um, but now that I think about it, I think I learned that on YouTube. Hmm. You know, it's it's. If, especially when you're doing a video on Tuesday and a video on Thursday, and they're, they're high production value. It's a, every day you're working. You know, every day you're either answering comments or editing or rotoscoping or tracking or doing something. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, it's I learned a lot how to deal with the politics of of a film. You know, it's on YouTube. I get exactly what I want, and and it's like I want it this way. Let's do it that way. Boom, mm-hmm. it's done. Um, with a feature film, it's like oh, okay, well. The producer wants this. The actor wants this. I want this. The line producer, who's the guy who's doing the budget, wanted this. You know, so I need to, I need to figure out something that makes everybody happy. You know, mm-hmm. but still is something that I, I would decide for myself. So what what is that? <laughs> so it's a little bit of like uh, it's they they call it a puzzle. And no, I think that that's not right. A puzzle. There is only one way to put it together correctly. It's more like a Lego thing that you're trying to build. You know, out of like, yeah, uh, out of multiple different Lego sets. That bucket of random colors that's sitting that's in your closet. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, and you're trying to you know make something out of that. Hmm. Yeah, and you're never gonna get exactly what you want. You know, that's it's again something I learned on YouTube, but that was you know really magnified on the feature film. I I wanted 
that cave, but I can't do that cave. You know, I wanted this, but I can't do that. I wanted 30 shooting days <laughs> and we ended up with 19. Yeah. yeah. Was the 19 dictated by the season versus budget? A little bit of both. Yeah, okay. we, we lost a lot of days due to weather. Uh, you know, there was just some days where like we got two or three shots and that was it because that's all we can do. Uh, the road is blocked. You know, it was, we went from, from uh, quickly from like 25, uh, from 30 days down to 25 due to budget. And then from the 25, we started whittling it down because of like, oh, now there's a huge, there's a huge uh, snowstorm and we can't get to the location that we wanted. So therefore we got to shoot something else. Uh, but half of those props aren't ready. So, oh my God, okay, let's just shoot what we can. Um, you know, so that's what it is. You know, you, you just end up with 19 full shooting days. When uh, when putting together a budget for a film like this, especially yeah. a low-budget film, is somebody like Mads Mikkelsen a big cost, or is he more like in it because he wants to be in it and it's just another factor with everything else? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's more of the latter. You know, it's... He, of course, he's going to be the biggest cost of the film, uh, but still, it's he deserved a zero <laughs> at the end of, of what he got. You know, um, little films like this usually what they do it's it's because they want to do it and they love it and they some call schedule F, which is like the basically the minimum that a SAG can pay you. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes actors work for that, you mm. know, um, and but not when you're the only person in the film. <laughs> right. Of course not, you know, but. Uh, like give give the guy like multiple schedule Fs that you would have given to a bunch of different actors, you know. But you know if if they see it as a good opportunity, as something that like if they want to do that's different, uh, or working with an actor who they've always wanted to work with, a director they've always wanted to yeah, work Jonah with. Yeah, Jonah Hill was schedule F and well, was Wall it? Street. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Really? So, yeah, he wanted to be in a Leonardo DiCaprio film. <laughs> okay, it worked well for him. It did. You know. So yeah, so you you take a chance. You know, sometimes yeah, they take more. They call them points in the back end. Uh, where it's like, okay, don't pay me now or deferments, mm-hmm. pay me later once the film makes money, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know what his deal was. I just let the producers figure that out. Um, but I just know that that it was less than, <laughs> than like Rogue One. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think just the, the catering budget was, you know, an extra zero than our budget in Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, uh, for somebody wanting to go out and make a film, what would you? How would you suggest they go about doing it? Hmm. And I'm not saying like oh, just go shoot it, but like more in terms of like yeah, like hey, I want to actually make a real movie that goes into theaters. Yeah, oh yeah, I see. Um, hmm. That's interesting. You know, I I can't say do YouTube because my producers didn't know that I had a YouTube channel until I was in Iceland. Really making the film, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were like, they, they came up to me and they said, "What's this magic guitar thing that you have on Twitter?" <laughs> magic <laughs> guitar. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. They're like, "No, seriously, what, what are you tweeting about this?" So, was that not the reason why you guys hired me? Was because of my <laughs> YouTube channel? They're like, "No, we hired you because you sent us a link to a good short film." I was like, "Oh, Ooh. well, shoot." This like changes everything. I'm, uh, okay, I got this by merit. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how much did the YouTube thing help at, if at all, outside zero. of like, just your experience of it? Uh, zero. Yeah, yeah, oh. it didn't help at all. I mean, it's helping a lot with um, with marketing the film for sure. Um, you know, it, I put up a teaser that got like almost a million views on on my YouTube channel, and like uh, a lot of uh, articles that have come out about it. It's like a YouTuber turns can filmmaker turns theatrical, blah blah blah. You know, so it's helped with the marketing for sure. 
but zero with getting the actual film. But what did help was the short films. So um, I think the, the way to do it is if you have like a, a slate of short films that you're proud of and you have a script that you've written that you're proud of, because I was sent a lot of scripts uh, before this, before we wrote this together. And it was like, hey, take this Viner turned YouTuber and here's 500,000, shoot a horror film in a cabin mm-hmm. for 12 days. Good luck. Hey, you want to do that? I was like, I don't want to do that. You know, because I know that the very first thing that I do in this realm, I want it to be excellent, you know, and I'm not sure that I can make an excellent film like that, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, it's find a great producer if if that's what that's what it is. If you're on the creative side is you have to find somebody who's going to like go out and, and be fighting for you and be pushing and be like, who do we know? Who can we talk to? Uh, and, and, you know, let's let's get an international sales company and then we'll get some money from Germany and some money from France and some money from the UK or whatever it may be. And then we have enough budget to make our film and then we can sell it for the rest of the world. So that stuff is really intricate that I have no clue how to do. Yeah. So I had to find the right person. How did you find that producer? I happened to be, again, at the YouTube space. I was coming out uh, of the YouTube space and there was this... this, um, this uh, this lady there who I, I hadn't seen in a long time. And she's like, oh, let's go get lunch sometimes. And I was like, sure. So then I, I go and, I, I, and she's like, oh, what are you up to? I was like, I just wrote this film called Arctic. Um, I just switched it. I was like, I think I'm, I want to shoot it in Iceland. I've been looking at pictures of it. And she's like, oh, Iceland. I, I think I know a producer who is actually going to Iceland tomorrow. Um, you should meet with him. So then that night we had dinner. And I gave him the script, and he read the script on the way to Iceland, and then in Iceland found our production company in Iceland that day. Wow. Yeah, it was like it all came together really fast. Wow. Yeah. Seems like the fate smiled upon you a little bit. It was was like, uh, it's scary the number of coincidences that were necessary for this film to get produced. Like, I just happened to be coming out. Like, I just happened to be going to Iceland. Mads just happened to know somebody who knew somebody. Just happened to have not accepted the YouTube, the YouTube job thing, just yet. Right? I was literally, I had written the email and I wanted my wife to read it before I sent it. Like that was, that was the that thing. That was the thing holding that you was the back thing from holding sending back. it? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was insane. It was, it was like this crazy amount of coincidences just to get to, to what, and then Mads just happened to be, have done two huge films and was looking for something little. He called it rock and roll hmm. filmmaking. He wanted to do a rock and roll film just like his pusher days, you know? This very first film that he did with Nicholas Winding Refn with like tiny little digital cameras, you know, mm. or, or whatever it was that they shot with. So it was this, this insane amount of coincidences. And so how do you do it? I just get really fucking lucky. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you got to do, you know. It's just like on YouTube, you know, for, for us to have made this YouTube channel, there is an immense amount of work that you have to put in. But then you just have to get lucky. You have to make a, a video that, that goes viral and you have to you know, start a podcast that supports you um, and you have to do all these things and you have to like be at the YouTube space when, when Logan Paul is there and then you, you're like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? And, and like, that's how you, it's like little by little, you're inching forward with all of this work and then you put the same amount of work and there's a huge step forward and you mm-hmm. don't know if that huge amount of work that you're putting is going to get you like this far, like this far or like actually set you back. Because mm-hmm. that, that happens so many times, you know, where I, I put a lot of work into something and then people are like, eh, about it, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to unsubscribe from your channel because this video is so lame. 
But that being said, if you don't put in the work, though, the chances of being lucky There's zero. goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For you to so get, like, yeah, you're setting yourself up to be lucky, you know. Um, and, and really, it's, it's, it's kind of like about who you know uh, or who you meet, you know, because I didn't know anybody who could help me make this film. I didn't have those, those people on my team. I didn't, I didn't know anybody. It was just about I got lucky with who I met at the right time. And now you've got a big project coming up with two big name actresses. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about your next movie at all. Sure. Like, yeah. You know, I um, after Arctic, uh, you know, after you have a film like this and it premieres at a big festival, you get the chance to like send out links and be like, oh, what are you doing next? You know, people people get interested. So before Arctic, we had written this screenplay called Stowaway, uh, but it was too expensive for a first time filmmaker. We knew that uh, we just wanted to hold on to it. And use it as a writing sample. We submitted it to uh, they call it the the Nickel Fellowship here in LA. It's uh, basically the Oscars. The same people who put on the Oscars, the Academy, they give uh, like ten fellowships and money to people to to support them for a year for them to write a script. Right? Okay. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So thousands of people apply, and we made the top fifty, hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. We didn't get the money, but hey, top fifty is pretty good. And that that your name gets sent around Hollywood when you make the top 50 of the Nickel Fellowship. So we started getting a lot of interest for that, made Arctic, and then you know the agency after that was like, okay, you've got something marketable here. You, we can sell you. Let's, let's, uh, they added another agent to the team, which was really wonderful. I got a management company that was, that's one of the best ones in LA. You know? So cool. all together we were like, let's package this film. Let's put some, some actors in it. Started sending out the script and... Uh, Eventually, uh, Anna Kendrick uh, was interested in the script, and which was interesting because um, Ryan and I, when we were writing, we had like Anna Kendrick in mind hmm. as for for parts of the script at least, you know. Um, and we're like, okay, great, like getting somebody who like you thought of for this role is is wonderful. So I met with her. She mocked my sunglasses because <laughs> <you know? laughs> that's the kind of person she is. Uh, and we talked for for a long time, and uh, we we knew that we were going to be on the same page about the kind of film that it was that we wanted to make so she signed on to the film and then same thing with Tony Collette I had a phone call with her and she had some questions about like certain parts of the script about like how about this thing can we make that like more important for her and I was like sure you know and we talk about like how you rehearse and she's like well for some of these scenes I don't, I don't want to rehearse and I just want to like get in there and feel 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 out what happens like in the moment you know? interesting like, okay, okay great great, yeah, great. Yeah. yeah let's let's do that and I, I totally agreed so then, then yeah, she signed on to the film, and now we have two more roles to cast. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who, who I'm going to go to next. So what's the log line for this movie? It's basically um, four people on a spaceship headed to Mars, and there's an accident that happens after they can't turn back to Earth. Um, you know, And not everybody can make it all the way to Mars. There's not enough oxygen oh. to get everybody there. So it becomes this lifeboat scenario where who goes... Can we fix this? And if we can't, how and who are, are, are we going to get to? What are we going to do here? You know? Did you read uh, Tintin Journey to the Moon? No, never. That's uh, part of that story too. Oh, is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. you should. Oh, cool. It's a great story. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm. I'm doing that now. You know, I'm right. I'm watching all of these uh, these space films and like submarine films because I wanted to the ship to be really tight you know you, you look at passengers it's gonna be tight it's yeah. like you're not yeah. gonna have a giant like in the movie The Martian they yeah. have this really cool big spaceship mm-hmm. they have treadmills on it 
Yeah. It's like chances are the ships going to Mars aren't even going to be like a tenth of that size. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like two or three people <clears throat> instead of like six or ten people. Um, you know, unless you the B, BFR actually picks up, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but even that is a little smaller than people realize. It is and with like all the space that they keep hyping up inside of it. It's right. like it's. I mean, it's not going to be a cruise ship. It's, it's like you're this, still going to have a know? tiny little room. Yeah, exactly. You know, so uh, I want it to be as realistic as possible, like Arctic. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm talking to like Scott Manley, who's a, a great YouTuber, Love Scott Manley. right? Like yeah. he's he's like sending me. He literally just sent me an email with like all these numbers. He's like, well, he's doing like so many kilometers per second. You should actually do like these many kilometers per second because then he's I was like he's like he's never going to show up in the film, but you should have the the math ready. I'm like. Let's do the math, buddy. Let's it. do it. I love it. <laughs> like all Respect. these emails coming from like at jpl.nasa.gov, you know, <laughs> like all these people like really helping us to try to make a, a film realistic, you know. That's great. I don't want something like, I think Passengers had some of like the best production design for a spaceship I've ever seen, but like that was meant to be like a beautiful cruise ship with like cathedral yeah. ceilings and et cetera. I want this to be like, we're all on top of each other and we have to figure this out. You know, like stumbling over each other's feet, basically. Okay. Yeah. And you haven't gone into production <clears throat> at all for that yet? We're shooting in June. June? Okay, yeah. well, that's coming up. <laughs> coming up. We're shooting in Germany. We're going to be we're gonna be pushing on that film. I'm going to start traveling there. And, Do you have a release date? Huh? Do you have a release date? Not yet, which is good. Uh, you know, because when you have a release date for a film like this, you know, you start kind of sort of chasing it. Uh, and it's it like it's always in the back of your mind. Oh, I gotta do it in August. I gotta do it by August. I gotta do it by August. So with this, you know, the producers are like, let's let's just step back. Let's make the film that we want to make, and then let's figure out what we're gonna do with it. You know, like is it gonna be a festival film? Is it gonna be a wide release film? Is it gonna be a small wide? Is it gonna be a platform release where you start in L.A. and New York, and then sort of grow like we're doing with Arctic? We'll, we'll figure out what we're gonna do with that later. They have an inkling on what they want to do, but um, it's. It's still gonna be like they they want us they want to they want us to make be able to make the film that we want. Hmm. This is great. That's what you you can't ask for anything more. Yeah, than that's great. Hmm. Yeah. Now, one more thing I want to talk about Arctic. Yeah, uh, is you guys shot a polar bear. We did. You guys have a freaking like film polar the po- bear. Film the polar bear. Oh no, they sniped it with no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> uh, I I just. Because you always hear in, in, in the film industry, it's like you never want to shoot with animals or kids yeah. because they're, it's like really hard. And then you're trying to shoot with a bear is like yeah. extra hard. But most people shoot with like a grizzly bear. There's like yeah. people who have grizzly bears. This guy here, film. right? Shot with yep. a grizzly bear. Yeah. And mm-hmm. but you guys shot with a polar bear. Yeah. And I, I want to hear for, like from the beginning, you guys knew you were going to have a bear <laughs> in the movie. Because yeah. I, I know a little bit about the story about like what led up to making uh, you guys sh- filming a bear. So, uh, when we first shot the scene in Iceland with the polar bear, there's this basically this polar bear that attacks the, the cave, but it's on the other side of the wall, and it can't get in, right? Or it's trying to, at least. So, so what's man's going to do? Um, we, from the beginning, we were told that we can't afford a polar bear. Like, um, probably not, but go talk to the producers of The Revenant. Right? So we did. We had a meeting, general meeting with them, and it's like, oh, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. You know, just kind of like they call it, just a water bottle meeting. They offer you a water bottle. And <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, great, thank you, or, or whatever it may be. Um, and so uh, I asked her about the bear. You know, I'm like, oh, so so, how'd you guys do the bear? She tells me about technically how that was done. I'm like, okay, so we have a polar bear that we're going to need for our film. 
she's like, oh, what's what's your budget? So I tell her a budget. And she's like, oh, that's close. Like, polar bear is a little <laughs> harder to do than a grizzly. Um, you know, because of the way that the hair works, et cetera, et cetera. It's a little translucent. So grizzly is a lot easier to do CG. But, okay, we, I think we can make it work. Just pare down your shots a little bit. Um, and halfway into it, we both realized that I had given her the budget of the film and not the budget <laughs> of the polar bear. And she goes... Oh, honey. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't even get like a still of a polar bear for, for that much. Okay, well, we got to figure something else out. So, okay, we, we go and we shoot the scene with like this paw thing, uh, this claw thing that we had like our biggest art director on set. You know, this guy who's like a body, Icelandic bodybuilder. So he's about as big as a polar bear. Not 800 pounds big, but still, you know. Uh, and he's like, it's actually pretty scary on set, you know, and we're like, oh, this might work. Uh, and then Ryan is putting the scene together and he's cutting it together and he's like, mm. doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work. It's the only time in the film that we break his perspective uh, if we were to go outside and show the polar bear. But what are we going to do? Like, we can't, we can't do it. So I'm like, okay, I have an idea. So I go on YouTube and I'm like, I'm going to find some like footage of polar bears. And because we, we come from YouTube and we have VFX experience, we so we can make it something happen, right? We can license some National Geographic footage. So I find this this polar bear attacking walrus, right? Hmm. And I'm like, okay, let's rotoscope them out and just put them in our film. Uh, it's a National Geographic documentary that they found. So we do that, and, and poor Ryan has like frame-by-frame frame rotoscope <laughs> furry polar bear, which is, you know, it's horrendously, horrendously difficult. Oh, yeah. Rotoscoping right. hair is probably the easiest to be affected. Yes. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> it's like the hardest thing ever. It's just the only harder thing is like snow in front of the camera, oh, gosh. Uh, which we had to do sometimes. Uh, but anyway, so so we, we put the polar bear into the scene. It's like, eh, you know, it's it sort of works, you know, but the, the timing of it works really well. But as I was searching for that footage, I found a, a video of a guy swimming in, in a swimming pool with a polar bear. Hmm. And I'm like, so I, I, I find his name and, and I track him down and I like yellow pages him, hmm. uh, you know, and I call him <laughs> and I'm like, hey, um, uh, Mark. He's like, yeah, Mark. I'm like, um, do you have a polar bear? Like, is, is this something you have? He's like, yeah, yeah, I've got a polar bear. And I was the Canadian guy, super nice. You know, and, and I'm like, um, does it like do things? He's like, you're going to have to be like way more specific. It was like, cause I, I thought that I had called like 18 of the guys with the same name. So like, I'd forgotten all my questions by then. And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I have this short, this, uh, this feature film. Uh, I'll be real with you. It's a feature film. Uh, you know, it's uh, a short film always gets you a little discount, but you know, all right, fine. It's a feature. Uh, and you know, we need a, a polar bear for it. And, and I basically need her to like, kind of sort of like try to the, attack a cave. It's just something. She's like, oh, but she's 22 years old. I'm like, oh, she's she's young. She's like, no, bears usually live until like they're 20. Uh, you know, she's she's relatively old. She's like, well, she has been in commercials before, but you know, she's she takes it easy nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, well, we have this like indie film. It's like a survival film. He's like, oh, I like survival films. Mm. Uh, it was like it's basically only one person on screen the whole time. He's like, oh, I, I like that kind of film. Who's the actor? And interestingly enough, in the U.S., I usually have to be like, it's Mads Mikkelsen. 
he's the guy from Casino Royale. He's the guy from Hannibal. He's the guy from Rogue One. And people are like, oh, I love that guy. Whereas in Europe, it's like it's Mads Mikkelsen. People are like, oh, you know, <laughs> they know him by name. Uh, but in the U.S., it's like unless you're a gamer and you're can't wait for Death Stranding or like you're <laughs> or something like that, uh, or you're a huge Hannibal fan, or like you really love Casino Royale. You, you know his face, yeah. you know, which is what all we needed for for the level of notoriety, you know, somebody who's huge in, in Europe. So I, I say, it's Mads Mikkelsen. He's, and I'm ready for my spiel. And he goes, Mads Mikkelsen. Oh my God, that's my favorite actor. <laughs> like, yes, isn't it? <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. Can't we make this work? He's like, I think we can make this work. So then he sends me a budget. And I'm like, we can't make this work, but it's not going to happen. Uh, he's like, oh, how much can you, can you afford? So then I send him as a joke. I like literally just like cross out one of the zeros. And I'm like, yeah, huh? You know, as a text message to him, he's like, all right, we'll can make it happen. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, great. Let's that's make it happen. Awesome. So, so then, yeah, we, um, I find, I put together a whole budget of the guys who did like the caves for Prometheus in Vancouver. Uh, she's happens to be near Vancouver, which is great. We have like uh, people there, you know, he gives me all these stipulations. Like you can't have food in the stage for like two weeks prior because Mm. otherwise she'll smell it and she won't find it and she'll be upset. Mm. I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, so we can't shoot at a stage then because we can't hire a stage out for two weeks in a day. You know, we can't afford that. So we found this like paper warehouse that was willing to <laughs> to like kind of let us turn it into stage. Like if you let my kids come see the polar bear, you know? <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, it's it's you won't you'll be surprised with how many people just want to do cool things. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. Mads, you just want to do cool things. This these people who want to just want to do cool things. There's value in cool things. Yeah, you know, and and I I like sent a link to the film to like the guy who was the production designer in. And of Prometheus, and he's like, "Oh, cool! Yeah, I'll build your cave. I'll have my art director build your cave. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll do it at cost, hmm. you know." So, it it's all of those little things that kind of sort of add up to be able to do a polar bear for really really cheap. So then we show what we still need. It's cheap, but it's still like six figures, you know. Mm-hmm. We need we need a producer approval. So we just don't tell them that we've added the polar bear to the film, oh. you know? Oh. And then we, we play them the film, the entire film from back to, they haven't seen anything, right? We, we show them, the, and then we have the National Geographic bear there, right? Uh, and then at the end of the film, they go, oh, wow, wow. Like, that's, that worked really well. Guys, like, the whole film is so beautiful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Compliments, compliments. The polar bear, what are we going to do about the polar bear? We can't, we, what, what, what's that? So then I pull out a budget, and I'm like, we can do it for this much. And it's like way cheaper than, than the CG polar bear that everybody had been thinking about. And they're like, to their credit, they were like, it's going to be real expensive, but yeah, we need it. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Let's do it. Oh, it'll, nice. it'll be in the trailer. Awesome. It'll be worth it. That's great. Yeah. So we, we did it. We went out and um, crazy stipulations like we needed real snow that was way more expensive. Otherwise, she steps. She destroyed a set one time because it was fake snow, <laughs> and she was like, um, "Forget this," and went back into her trailer. You know, uh, I couldn't speak to either her or her trainer at any times. So, uh, you know, I had to speak to the trainer's wife, and then the wife had to like whisper to the trainer. Yeah, you know? I mean. That sounds kind of like a weird thing, but at the same time, it's like you're dealing with a real polar bear. It's These like things are beasts. Yeah, it's 800 pounds. You know, we, 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 it's like all of these crazy things. 
Uh, we're shooting in August, which means that we have to bring in three dump trucks worth of ice in order to make enough snow for her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also there can't be a lot of people on set. Uh, and I'm like, well, I need somebody like I need a stand in to be wearing Mads' parka. He's like, looks like you're going to be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so then I put on the parka and he's like, oh, just act scared. I'm like, I don't have to act scared. <laughs> There's no acting am, happening right I'm now. I'm reacting scared. <laughs> uh, and it was it was like, okay, we got what we needed. We shot the whole thing. You guys will appreciate this. We, we shot the whole thing at like 240 frames per second. Oh, yeah. Um, because most people are like, oh, you're going to undercrank the shot. Um uh, you know, so shoot it at 12 frames per second and then speed up to 24 and then it'll look like she's faster than she actually is. But if you shoot it at like 240, it gives you a bunch of options mm-hmm. to actually speed it up however you want. Yep. And then you just add your motion blur in later. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. It's Real funny smart. how many people miss that with uh, under cranking. It's like if you under if you shoot a fight scene at 22 frames per second. You're stuck. You're stuck at 22 frames yeah. per second. Yeah. 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 Whereas if you shoot it at like way more than what you need. Yeah. Then you know, you can get really, really close. There are all of these mathematical things that you can, like you can speed it up by exactly 80%, exactly 50%, exactly 25%, you know? Yeah. And still be perfect where you're falling on a frame that temporarily was there. You yeah, know? no drop frames or anything like yeah. that where you're having to like interpolate between right. frames if you the shot at like 30 is, or 60. Yeah, they, then you don't, you have zero motion blur. So there's a problem called real smart motion blur that you can take and... I love real smart motion blur. It's been it's around since like right ninety nine, <laughs> right? Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. It's a really yeah. really old program, but it still works really well. Yeah. Incredible hog. Like if real smart is running on a computer, don't do anything else to it. <laughs> it'll like it'll blow up and and turn into a black hole. It's the sort of thing that I turn on right before I render <laughs> the shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So did you did you struggle to get the polar bear to actually do the beats that you needed, or was that pretty straightforward? Well, um, uh, so <clears throat> she th- she has a couple tricks, right? Um, this is gonna totally ruin the, f- the the film for a lot of people, but um, I'll do it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah ruin it. <laughs> uh, it. So she doesn't roar. I, I asked the guy, like, should I bring a, a sound person, you know, and 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 record her roar? He goes, oh no, she doesn't roar. If she roars, there's something like massively going wrong run because there's something there's something that's going to happen i'm like okay uh so then how do how do you get her to roar i've seen her roar in a commercial before she's like okay what i do is i have like a little stick and i say smile 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 and she goes oh good bear good bear like the whole thing was so positive you know yeah that we actually had to start acting scared because I'm like, oh, she's smiling. <laughs> you know? Oh no, she's smiling. <laughs> you know? um, and uh, yeah, so so we add the roar in later. Yeah, yeah. And I was doing that like in bed next to my wife, and she was trying to read a book, and she's like, "Take your headphones off. I can hear you. Like, stop. I can hear the bear. Like, I'm trying to read a book. <laughs> can you go this this somewhere else? You know? I'm like, oh, sorry. Uh, I'll turn it down." <laughs> uh, so so anyway, it, it was like that. But then the worst thing was that it was August, so the snow was melting. Uh, so we had to keep refreshing the snow, and you know, it like it's he gives you like a a, a range. Like I think I'm going to be able to get it ready between thirty and forty five minutes, right? So we were doing the math. Okay, thirty to forty five. Let's kind of do in the middle. And she was ready in twenty eight minutes. Ooh. You know. So there was a little too much snow. There's a little hole that she's supposed to put her head through, and there's a treat on the other side for her. 
Uh, so then she gets up on on the snow and she's like, ooh, snow. And she's like loving it. And she kind of like lies down on the snow and she looks super cute and fluffy. And I'm like, okay, let's scary, 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 go. You know, and then she kind of gets up and she realizes there's a hole and she's like, oh, I want to see what's in there. And then the trainer's on the other side. It's like, come here, Aggie. Come here, Aggie. Come on. Uh, there's a treat for you over here. And then she like tries to put her head through and she can't. Mm. And she goes, Okay, I'll try to put my head through this way. And she can't. Uh-oh. And then the trainer turns to me and is like, this is going to be a problem. And she starts going, <laughs> right? Like she's not supposed to roar ever. And I'm like, uh-oh. And she starts going like this, like trying to do the snow. And I'm like, to the camera guys, I'm like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was about to say, aren't you just rolling on all of it? Oh, we are, we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, we've been <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, good. And she's so frustrated. She starts pacing back and forth in, in, in the scene and she's not, she can't get in and she's upset. Right. So literally this is happening. Uh, but the, the only issue is that you actually have an 800 pound beast that's uh, angry yeah. in front of you, you know, and like you're the one who's closest to her. And, <laughs> and she's like, and she goes, <clears throat> and she climbs on top of it and like, like does that whole smackdown thing that, that she does right and and then she starts like she finally is able to like kind of like put it through and then he goes smile smile and she goes <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell that there's a snarl to the smile you know and there was like a little bit of sound to the smile there's wasn't supposed to be she just goes, uh. you know? it's like, she's fine. not like a but it's, it's, it's a kind of thing you know <laughs> and i'm like Oh my god! And I'm right there, like pretending to be scared, but I'm actually scared. And and it goes, okay, okay, get out, Aggie. And then she goes back to her trailer. There's a little waiting pool in there for her, mm. little your pool in this forty foot long trailer. And he closes her in, and gives her a, a nice treat because when she goes into the trailer, she gets the nice treats. Mm. Uh, and he closes the door and looks at me. And he's like, "You got that?" He's like, "I got that." It's like, "What? Do you need anything else?" I was like. Let's keep going. Let's keep, let's keep trying. <laughs> yeah, and then and yeah, it was it was good. She she was a she was a good sport about it. That's and really it, exciting. Yeah, yeah. How many yeah. how many cameras are you using, or were you rolling on? We had let's see. We, were, we the only thing that we were shooting red. That the rest of it was Alexa. So we had one, two, three, and then four for like a little tiny camera that was like just the the DP's camera that mm-hmm. we ended up not using it. Uh, but it, it turned out to be cool for like a behind the scenes kind of thing. Hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, dude, the shot where the bear was like literally sticking her head through the hole, mm-hmm. and you see it from the other side. Yeah. It's just like this this snowy wall and mm-hmm. a bear head mm-hmm. just with the gaping maw. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my god, it's that's insane. a bear. That's a real bear. It's a real bear, right? Yeah. You know, one reviewer said the film was good. Everything was good about the film. It was all great. Mm-hmm. But the CG bear was just so <laughs> over the top, like adding little like spit inside of her mouth. It was way like completely unbelievable. And I was like, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, if, uh, props to the editor for that. Uh, you know, Ryan, who edited the film, because yeah. we had already shot the stuff with Mads. So basically the bear had to hit her marks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not possible. So, yeah. you know, like he found little bits of where like Mads looks up and then she's climbing on top, you know, and then Mads looks back down. Like, you know, like we analyzed almost frame by frame that footage to be able to figure out how to like 
marry these two people who weren't playing against each other together to make it seem like they were in the same room, you know? And then we got some pickups here in LA. Christian was, uh, I think Christian was, was part of it. Yeah. Oh no, it was, uh, uh, Alex who had been working for me for a while. Um, and, and Carolyn. So in LA, we got some green screen stuff. It's the only green screen shot in the whole film is, is me. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, turned out to be good. Uh, and I think it, I think it works. You know, people actually think that Mads was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. He gets asked about it in every interview. Like, Oh, what was it like working with the bear? He's like, Oh, I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I was shooting a film called Polar. <laughs> <laughs> Which, with no polar bears. Ironically enough. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to watch Arctic, how could they watch Arctic? It's really nice having a distributor on your phone because they <laughs> do all of these like nice things, you know? Uh, they set up uh, uh, two websites for us, arcticmovie.com, where you can see like the release schedule. On the 15th, uh, two days from now, this Friday, uh, you know, we're going to be opening in a bunch of other theaters, new theaters. Uh, we've been playing in Boston, LA, Chicago, New York. Um, so still in those cities and then opening in a bunch more. So Arctic movie.com and then you, they also set up a different website called arcticmovietickets.com where you can just like search for your city and see if you can buy those tickets there interesting okay yeah it's nice it's like it's not something that i would have done for my own film you know because i don't know well am i gonna spend like the money on two domain names you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know yeah. Now, are you only thinking about theater distribution for now? Uh, What about like once the theater runs gone? Are you going to try to like get it on Netflix or some sort of streaming platform? Yeah, they have they have a whole plan for it. Right. So um, the like this week we're opening up in a bunch of theaters. Then next week or the next one, hopefully we get to go like nationwide, uh, depending on how many people go to see it this week. So it's very important that people go see it right now. Oh, my God. It's like, you know, some people have been like, oh, I'll go see it next week. I'm like, no. Can you go see it this week, please? You know, it matters it's, a lot more. Uh, go now. to arcticmovietickets.com, everybody. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Pump, pump, pump. <laughs> uh, oh, it's, it's funny to not be promoting Mystery Guitar Man anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's something different. Um, yeah, it kind of becomes project based promotion, you know? But uh, but yeah, so it's it's like basically every, they said that every one ticket that sells for the first week means like 10 or 20 tickets down the line because more theaters, for example, our opening weekend was like, the worst opening weekend in 20 years for films, right? Oh, no. For all films in for general. For all films. Was that because there's a massive polar vortex coming through? And the Super Bowl. And the, oh. Yeah, 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 you know. Uh, but still, our film had like $14,000 per theater average, which is huge. It's yeah. insane, insanely huge. Uh, so despite it being like like overall not great money, uh, it's still like the 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 CEO of the of Bleaker Street called me and was like, this is great. I'm like, is it? <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, it's great. Like we're, we're, you know, opening in, in more theaters next week. Uh, and you know, Regals and AMCs are, are Ooh, interested nice. because it, you, you were the best of like the, the people who got F's basically. Everyone, <laughs> everyone got an F that weekend, but you, you got had a, the best. I got an F plus, nice. you know? <laughs> uh, but it was, it's, it was important, you know, like there were Q and A's that people came to and, and all the reviewers are, are saying really, really nice things about it. You know, the people on like um, NPR said, like, you must go watch this film. You know, so it, there were there's also of varied types of people, like really old people came because of the radio things. And like there's a 12 year old who came up to me after the Q&A and said, this was my favorite film of all time. That's awesome. Watch more films. When I saw it in the theater, I was sitting next to a very old couple. They had to have been in their 80s or something. Mm -hmm. And the woman just she kept 
they weren't. I wouldn't call them jump scares in the movie, but there are moments of just kind of like, like surprise. Yeah. And she would like literally jump out of her chair. Her <laughs> legs went up over her head, <laughs> like over her heads. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like like oh god. Okay. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that's that scares me. Yeah. <laughs> it's an eighty year old. It's like is their pacemaker going? Like it was enough good? that it, I was just like. Uh, you're okay, right. Okay, we're good. We're good. All right, back to the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I've uh, I've sat in uh, like uh, at the very very back row. I don't want people like seeing me there. You know, I just kind of like do this on the way in. You know, <laughs> and just to see the audience reaction and like when you show a nasty cut or something and people going <sighs> like throughout. You know, that was something I totally forgot. You guys yeah. had some amazing practical makeup in that. Movie. Oh yeah, as much as we could, it's we did everything really, practically. Like, they were very convincingly like that is a gash and it looks like that's an actual gash yeah 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 our, our makeup person was really really wonderful this this uh, our makeup director uh or lead makeup person i guess is what they're called uh was like the best in iceland and had done such huge films and then she had like an apprentice that was was her first film so she made sure that everything was perfect because <laughs> god damn it it's going to be perfect you know just like i was trying to do uh, so it was it was great having that that kind of camaraderie on set. That's awesome. It's really fun filming really good practical like wounds. Yeah. I remember with Lifeline we had to have a shot where somebody sticks a knife under the skin in the forearm and like Oof. cuts a little tracking thing out. Yeah. It's like I had it all set up and they had like the blood tubes running in but you couldn't see any of it. Uh-huh. And so it's like oh, we here had go. the tubes too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun. You know trying to like time yeah. it to make it look like a But it's so gross watching a completely realistic like scene of somebody just like taking this blade and just shoving it under their skin and mm-hmm. blood starts pouring out. It's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can get a little squeamish sometimes and I was like and it looks good like, I know it's fake I know I can see like a hand that it's gonna have to be painted out later you know like doing a little pump, pump, pump kind of thing yeah but like it's it's you know your brain is just like it's real it's real I'm looking at a gash you know yeah yeah awesome. but it's like it was it's literally like half a second in the film that we like just flash it because i didn't want to be gory about yeah, the yeah. film and anything yeah it's not, so it's not just, like a gory film yeah yeah for half a second i i flashed the gash and i can totally now see why people do horror films because <laughs> that it's like one of the bigger reactions of the film people are like oh my god oh oh okay it's gone <laughs> and i'm like oh i want to do that like a lot you know? yeah i'm gonna so. make you feel something yeah you know, I, I totally see why people do like films that are just like blood going everywhere and and, and, and crazy wounds, and it's just also fun on set being like, "Oh, that looks gross." Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, Joe, thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me, guys. This this is really fun. Yeah, it was a fascinating journey that you took us along with, like yeah. hearing about the polar bear or like yeah. heck, it sounds like the most important Skype call of your life. Yeah, there. that was the most important fifteen to three hour call of, <laughs> of, of my life. Yeah. They're yeah, like straight up, there are alternate universes now, where like a very huge chunk of them, you're working at the YouTube space. Right, right. It's like that was just such a defining split. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, there's an alternate universe where the internet goes down at the YouTube space for some reason. <laughs> oh gosh. And I'm working there now. You know, and, and I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, telling myself that I'm happy. Yeah, and I'm, I'm figuring it out. As, as one does, you know. But yeah, now now I'm, I'm really I'm happy now. You know, it's 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 so and, and it's great having the support of the community on this. You know, like you guys coming out for for the opening night and having me on your podcast, and you know all these YouTubers like being proud that 
I'm I'm one of them and like hashtag team internet kind of thing. You know, yes. it's, it's it's so it's so good to be like, oh, these are friends. I have friends. I do have <laughs> friends. I haven't devoted myself entirely to my my craft. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, thank right. you guys. Thank you, Joe. Well, I hope you all enjoyed listening to that corridor cast here with Joe Penna. It was a fascinating conversation. A lot of really interesting stuff shared. Uh, if you haven't checked out Arctic, once again, go check it out. Go send him a tweet. Tell him it's awesome that he did a project like this. I'm sure he'll appreciate it. And if you're not subscribed to the Corridor cast here on YouTube, please do consider subscribing. We're also found anywhere you want to listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, and whatever else is out there. You name it, we're on it. So go check it out. Um, yeah, more stuff on the way, people. Hit that bell. Hit that like button. Tell us, tell us what your favorite part of this episode was. Engage in some discussion. We love hearing your thoughts down below. All right. Can't wait to see you on the next one. Thank you.